Hey everyone, welcome to episode 121 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I am, you know, I think I have an emotional hangover. I'm tired from being at Coaching Con this weekend. A whole bunch of us were in Phoenix, really cool event, big event, you know, was there for pretty much four full days, and Mm -hmm. often enough, you don't quite get enough sleep, and then uh, you sometimes feel crushed after the fact because you get really built up and amped up for these things, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, anybody who's listening for any real amount of time here knows how much I advocate how they can change your career. And uh, I was also there with my friend, Beth Baracco, who's my guest today. Beth uh, wanted to attend and, uh, you know, I know you had a great time. We'll talk more about that. And for those of you guys who aren't super familiar with Beth, Beth uh, is a nutrition and strength coach. And she's actually had a tremendous amount of success with kind of unleashing her authentic self on social media. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And she was so successful that she actually needed to start hiring a team around her and it was sort of pushed into building a business. So I want to talk about that. So, but first of all, of course, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Good. Well, let's, let's actually get right to it. One of my biggest pet peeves are shows that do like, you know, 10 minutes of preamble and fluff or whatever. Usually it's two, two hosts kind of going back and forth. Then they get to the meat of it. Uh, I like cutting right to the chase. So we've talked a lot about this, uh, you came off the gym floor, you know, COVID starts, gym yes. gets shut down. You're the trainer in the gym. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And you're pretty much going, all right, shit, what the hell do I do now? Right. And mm-hmm. you did something I think a lot of people probably find hard, uncomfortable, or haven't necessarily found it clicks yet, which is you just really lean into social media. You start posting consistently. I, I would say very aggressively with it. And that's TikTok. That's Instagram. And things grew click, uh, quickly. I think you know, there's always timing with these things. And I think you definitely rode a wave with TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the 2020 cool. TikTok wave where everyone went viral very quickly. Uh, those were the days. <laughs> saw that in 2017 with infographics back with Instagram. Yeah. And I mean, anyone who sits and listens to this squad, oh, the time has passed, the opportunity has passed. I watched, you know, a guy that I know who I, who I used to mentor, and I will not take credit for this because this wasn't my strategy but he went from 5,000 followers on Instagram to God over, you know, over half a million. I think it is right now. Yeah. 530,000 followers just because he found a clever formula with humor, evidence-based training and, and video. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and honestly, he just took right off. So there's still an opportunity with this stuff. But- oh yeah. I just yesterday, uh, actually Sunday when I was leaving, made a quick video at the um, condo I was staying in Arizona. And now the video is at 2.5 million. I've gained about 25,000 more followers on TikTok. Um, Pretty crazy. Yeah. It only takes one. And I've heard you and people who've done well like you say that, you know, sometimes you put a lot of time, effort, thought, you know, really work hard on editing something just right and it flops, but then you pull up the phone, you say something quick that pops to mind it's raw, mm-hmm. it's raw. And that those are sometimes the ones that do really well. Yeah. I think a lot of people really overthink um, posting videos on social media more. They, uh, more than not, they do overthink it. So this comes down to, I think, something that permeates our entire careers, but specifically as it relates to the shifts that you underwent, what attitudes and beliefs did you need to discard? You know, limiting beliefs about what you, who you were, mm-hmm. what you could do, or anything else in order to be um, able to do this? 
you know, imposter syndrome is huge, right? And I think a lot of coaches and including myself in the beginning, make content for other coaches. Mm. We're not helping other coaches where we want to help um, the general population, whoever your niche is, whoever you want to help you, that should be what your video is geared toward. Not trying to impress coaches because I've done it. It's like, oh my God, did I say that right? Is someone, you know, is that person going to think that this is really horrible? Um, once you get rid of that, then you just feel a lot, you know, better to be yourself and, um, being yourself is where it's at just authentically you, because those are the people that you want to attract, like attracts, like you want to attract the the clients that you want to help. And then if you're trying to be someone else, that's not going to, you're not going to attract the, the right people for you. And you often, I mean, often may be a strong word, but you're, you're sometimes criticized for swearing mm -hmm. or otherwise just being that, you know, that authentic person. So what do you think about that? How do you deal with that? Um, you're not going to please everyone. You know, I think some people think I swear too much. And then some people think I don't swear enough. So it's, you know, you might as well just be you. And sometimes I do swear too much. If I have a, you know, more caffeine, if I'm a little fired up, you know, the F-bombs may be flying around a little bit more, but fuck it. I just press send and, and it, you know, it goes because that, that was me at the moment. You know, I know the type of person I am. I'm a good person. I want to help people. And that's what's important. And other people see that too. And I think when see people know that you're being authentic, they like that. For me, it's a bit of a red flag when I see coaches who spend too much time worrying about what other people are posting, but but even worse, policing what other people are posting. Mm -hmm. I mean, this comes through, you know, various different lenses, belief systems, ideologies. And, you know, I tend to lean a little bit more towards the freedom of expression side of things. You know, I don't want people to get too carried away with that and, and the political tribes and what have you that it gets into. But as a singular principle, I think that within reason, outside of really shitty, hateful type crap, and again, you know, people have different definitions that there's, there's a concept creep and everything all of a sudden now is if, if you don't like what you're here, everything's hateful, which right. we want to be careful with that sort of concept. But I'm a big believer that there are different messages that will resonate with different people. And absolutely, I think there's the, the empathetic side of the spectrum. And I think there's the tough love side of the spectrum. And I think sometimes the, the community on the empathetic side can get caught up in policing what the tough love side have to say because they're sort of guarding and protecting the delicate people who need the empathy. Right. When, I mean, I think ultimately people will gravitate where they probably need the messaging. Mm -hmm. If anybody follows um, a fellow T Nation writer, Tanner Shuck, Tanner, geez, he makes you look like, you know, really, really pillowy soft with how you approach them. Really? T Tanner is blunt. And he is aggressive with some of his messaging. Mm -hmm. And while I suspect a lot of the people that follow me, because I tend to be a little bit more down the middle, uh, probably not all of them would necessarily go for Tanner's messaging. But I think what's really important is I'm, I'm okay with him being there because I think there will be the type of person who gravitates to that. They need that tough love reminder. Uh, Natalia Mello Wilson has been a previous guest and a good friend. Natalia can get pretty tough love too, you know, no bullshit, mm -hmm. no excuses, doesn't varnish her message. And, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? Because again, like I personally think that we're going to probably reach more people if we have, you know, different approaches, different authentic selves to share. Mm -hmm. 
there's something for everyone, right? We all, everyone has different personalities, you know, not everyone's going to like me and that's okay. There, like I said, there's someone for everybody, you know, someone might like someone that talks like they're, you know, working for Disney or, <laughs> you know, but here it's like, I'm not going to bullshit you and it shows. Right. And I mean, did Disney not pretty much scoop up, you know, Deadpool as a intellectual property, essentially? Right. So, you know, as long as they don't screw up Deadpool. <laughs> or like Mary Poppins and, you know, uh, Dumbo and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, I, I want to come back to the the whole point about you know, making the mistake of trying to talk to talk to impress other coaches because mm -hmm. I think you're right. your mentor Jordan Syatt openly talks about how early in his career he was writing his articles to impress his mentor Eric Cressy a lot of technical language you know high level training concepts yeah. and when I read stuff like that you know I see coaches doing it too and I think all right yeah no you're speaking to the wrong audience and it's no wonder that those coaches are struggling to pick up clients mm -hmm. so yeah. You know, more thoughts on that. How do you get the person who's sitting here going, all right, how do I even know what to say for me mm. of, you know, Dr. Mike Gizertel or Eric Cressy coming in and going, well, what you just said there is technically wrong. Right. I think going into your video of who can I help today, right? Rather than like how many likes and follows can I get? Um, it's really because you're, if you're in the nutrition and coaching business and strength coaching, you, we want to help people. So what can you do to help someone through video? What is your passion? You know, mine more is like mindset and nutrition. I do talk about strength training sometimes, but that's not like my number one, because it's not something that I'm super passionate about. So I think it's important to lead your video with passion and who you want to help. I got a lot of my ideas from co uh, clients, um, you know, their check-ins, there's lots of, you know, if someone's struggling with the scale, if someone's struggling with a relationship with food, whatever it may be, um, you know, who can you help and who can you resonate to with your video is really like, you know, go into that video doing that and don't overthink it. Um, I think, you know, it's okay to plan your videos, but you don't need to have like a fucking spreadsheet with, you know, <laughs> unless that's something that works for you. But sometimes I feel like that holds people back because they're like, well, that, maybe that's not perfect. You know, do you think that I need to show more of my body? And it's like, no, we're not go if we're not doing this for likes and, and follows, you know, those people video viral videos aren't always great either because you're getting people from all avenues. If they're following you, um, just because they liked your video, but they they may not, um, buy from you. So you have to like, think about it that like that it's all, it's not about going viral. It's about really in the end, who can you help today? Because if you help one person, you're doing a fucking great job. I've heard it said that people who've developed large followings on TikTok have been, have failed to mobilize people to you know, buy their products, show up for in-person mm -hmm. events, et cetera. You built a business. We're, we're going to talk about that after off the back of, you know, very rapid growth on TikTok. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between someone who is able to leverage that audience versus the people who are struggling? Because I'm of the understanding, given the nature of TikTok and the way you swipe through, people are rapid fire consuming the content, but they're not mm -hmm. necessarily developing the relationship with right. the person making the content. How do you create that? Good question. Um, you need to go live a lot. 
right? You need to build a community. I've built a really strong community on both Instagram and TikTok because I communicate with my followers. I answer their questions. I may respond with um, to one of their comments with a video. Um, you really need to engage with those people that are engaging with you because that is how you build community. People are, you need to build trust with these people. They're not going to buy from you if they don't trust from you, trust you. So I think that's one thing that I learned um, is, you know, you have to communicate with your followers and going live, answering questions, answering DMs and, you know, engaging. You don't just post a video and hope for it to go viral and then don't comment or anything. You, you gotta, you know, engage if you wanna build a business, if that's your ultimate goal. And it's a shockingly simple answer. Right. <laughs> and I guess that comes from a person who genuinely wants to help versus the person who is seeking the following Validation. because they're seeking, well, they're seeking the status. I talk about mm -hmm. this a lot. I mean, again, humans are wired to understand, perceive, look for status cues because it's, it's part, part of how we survived in tribes, you know, in mm -hmm. our early days and, and it's how people navigate the world. But I, I also want to caution people on doing things solely for the goal of seeking status because, well, you know, let's say you manage to grow a large following on TikTok and all of a sudden that validates you because it's giving you the status you've always craved. I mean, there's always the threat that TikTok gets outright banned, right? That's mm -hmm. that's something that the US keeps rattling sabers about, you know, over you know, broader political things. You know, how about this? What do you what do you say to the coach who is working on TikTok, it's their primary mm -hmm. platform, or maybe they're doing both TikTok and Instagram and doubling their content to it. W what would you say if someone's worried about TikTok ultimately being banned, at least in, you say, mm -hmm. the US? Create an email list. If you have not started an email list, you need to. I think that's because that's not going to go away. That's yours, right? Like all these platforms can literally go away any second. And also create that long form content, like writing articles, writing blog posts on your website. Those things are yours. You know, I think that most people, a lot of people don't um, do that. And, you know, even like don't stick to one platform. I've built two platforms, you know, one goes, that's fine. It's, it's not fine, but it's going to have to be, but I have another platform. I have a, you know, almost 20,000 people on my email list. So build that email list, give things away for free. If you have, you know, do challenges, things like that. I remember at the beginning of TikTok, I was giving away free coaching. I would make videos. Hey, I'm giving away, like answer this question. Um, uh, what do you want to be like? What is your best goal? I don't even know what I'm talking about. What is the, what is your goal? You know, um, how can I help you answer this question? And I would pick one person and give them free months of coaching. And then they would end up signing on for longer. So I think that's important too. Giving away things for free, doing challenges. Yeah. Building that email list. That's a number one. This is, I mean, fairly classic stuff. Just the allure of the cheap, the, the quick and easy wins with social media because social mm -hmm. media is engineered to keep you on there. So yeah. you with having built the business you have and the responsibility towards brand and engagement on social media and interaction, how do you find the time to respond to the comments on two platforms with, you know, a combined following of over 700,000 people, mm -hmm. all of the things you're responsible for. And how do you create boundaries around what you are able to do and what you can't do? Yeah, right now I can't answer everything, right? And that that bothers me, but you, you have to pick and choose. Once you have like this many, um, I really have to, um, you know, pick and choose. 
Uh, I have to also cut myself off from answering them as well, because I can, you know, be on my phone all day. And right now I am in a better space to answer more because now I've built a team. So my responsibilities are now solely marketing, social media, and running my, my coach's team. But now I have um, Hunter who's doing the back office, the sales and all the things that, you know, I was a one-stop show at, at one point. So I now want to have an assistant and a lot of things are taken off my plate. So now I can focus on my community, answering questions and helping people, you know, apply for coaching and things like that. So the boundaries, right? Actually, no. That's a hard, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries with, um, I, I have a hard time stepping away and I know that sometimes I, I need to for my mental health really, but I love what I do as well, but I know um, that there needs to be boundaries, especially oh. when you have a family that's like, okay, get the fuck off the phone. Now. <laughs> Where's all, mom? Oh, you know, she's on her phone. For all the blessings that have come mm -hmm. from the explosion of social media. It, and you look back to where you were when you were starting to do this stuff. We know that a lot of coaches really look at this and go, oh, life would be so much better if I had the social media following what weren't you prepared for and what would you put back in the box if you had the ability to the stuff that you just didn't anticipate it's not necessarily good and you would like to say all right i would like to go back to the way it was before mm, good question i think fast growth like without being prepared like you know first you're making these videos right so do you have a way that you know that you're going to be able to help more than 10 people? You know, you know, do you have your Google sheets? Do you have your, you know, your back office set up and, you know, you don't necessarily have to have all that. Right. But you need to have some kind of a base, um, which I, I was lucky enough because I did, um, I, because I started Jordan's mentorship and I started, you know, with, I had my, you know, Google sheets and I had a way to check in with clients. I had my, um, you know, check-in forms, my website builds, like all those things were kind of in place. So I think making sure that a, you have a website, you have a place where people can actually, you know, apply for your coaching services and you have all those kind of like little ducks in a row. Um, I'm lucky enough also that I had um, Hunter who lives near me, who was my boss um, that got me into coaching in the first place, who now is my business partner. He helped me a lot. Um, I have to say, I really had an advantage with that because he was a gym owner and he knew a lot of, you know, things that I did not know. Hmm. You mentioned Jordan Syatt, and I think Jordan is one of the key mentors in a lot of this stuff. He's definitely been a major influence on how I started approaching social media, which of course led to the consistency, which led to the growth. Mm -hmm. he is a great example of someone who came out of what I'll call the old world, the influence of, you know, Eric Cressy's and a lot of the, the coaches that came up on T Nation who had singular brands. Now, Eric is also a, a physical gym owner. And these guys preached email lists. They were doing online coaching mm -hmm. or online coaching platforms that you could use. You know, they did the email and, and the Google uh, and, the, and the spreadsheets. Google Sheets. Yeah. Right? Once you get to, once you get to a certain number, you can't use Google Sheets anymore. But Google Sheets really, you know, helped me start. Good. So Jordan, of course, was writing articles for his website for a very long time before social media became a thing. He had his email list and even tell stories about how he was a little late on that one, but he still got it. And so when he started mentoring people to lean into social media growth and infographics in 2017, 
And then he saw its potential. He immediately turned around and followed his own advice and did it. And of course, that's the catalyst for the, the substantial Instagram growth, which is not the reason why everybody knows who Jordan is, but it definitely didn't hurt him along the way. And I think there are a cluster of coaches who came out of the same world who failed to embrace social media and are looking around now, go, now going, all right, what, what happened? Where are my invitations to speak at events? W you know, Why is my business not where it should be? Because they kind of got lost in the shuffle when it came to COVID as so many people pushed into the online and a lot of new younger coaches have grown into you know, brands via social media. So Jordan was ready and he was prepared. Mm -hmm. Let's say someone is still pushing really hard on social media. Do you still think that they absolutely right now need to put every, it's, it's not even put a pause on it, but the website, the email list, that stuff now has to be absolute number one priority. It has to be in place. Mm, not necessarily, but I think, I think a website is probably that. So you can actually start collecting email addresses. I think email addresses, yes, are important. And then I think a website, I think those two would be my top. I think okay. I'm pretty sure I got the the website done first and that then I had the link on there to sign up for my newsletter. So then I was be able to put that link in like my Instagram stories. Um, see what happened first when I started collecting email addresses. It's, I wasn't able to have, you know, we just are now able to have the link, click my, click this link in the stories. Yeah. I um, actually had to manually put all these email addresses that I got in my DMs. So I was like, Hey, I'm running a challenge. I need your, you know, whatever. I don't even remember what it was at this point. Um, I need your email address. So I can, you know, we can do this challenge. And so I was hand putting those in. So everyone I think has access to the link now, but so that would be my thing would be get the website and get an access on your website to, you know, sign up for your newsletter to get on their email list. Whatever it takes to get those two, two things done. All right. Mm -hmm. yes. That's around, you know, how you built the business. And I think, again, as I mentioned, you came out of that, you know, gym world on the gym floor, like I did, like so many coaches who've probably been doing as long as we have. I think, you know, maybe the last few years, coaches entering the space may have been able to kind of skip that and have a little bit more of an initial online presence. But I know that from experience, we get stuck in this box. You know, this is the way it's done. It's the way it's always been done you know, hourly session model, train the client, et cetera. And while I still believe there's a lot of good in that system, it can also get you stuck there. And it can be very hard to emotionally or physically grow out of it or learn other things. It's one of the reasons why I like being at events like this. They really mm -hmm. push your boundaries on what you can do. And uh, obviously Coaching Con is backed by Jason Phillips organization, NCI. And a lot of what they do is they teach a lot of scaling, hiring business system type stuff. Now you started that stuff before you went to this event. So mm -hmm. what, what flipped, how did you actually decide, okay, I can't handle all this. And instead of just st staying in the state of overwhelm mm -hmm. or ultimately capping it and setting boundaries, you started hiring people. Yeah. I think that's a big deal for people. I mean, I have an emotional resistance to the idea of hiring an employee. Mm -hmm. so what's hard for you? Um, I think because I just couldn't take any more clients on as my own anymore. And I was starting a e uh, waiting list and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to grow this way, but I, I want to grow. I don't want to fucking remain the same. I want to build a, a really big business here. I want to influence and help a lot of people and I'm not going to be able to do it alone. 
So, um, my first instinct was to go to Hunter and be like, you know what? I think I need to hire a coach. Do you know of anyone? And he was like, yeah, what about Justin? And me and Justin used to coach at the gym, um, together. And I'm like, oh, perfect. He wasn't working at the gym anymore. Um, and he was about to move to Wisconsin or something. And so he was my first, um, coach on my team. And it was really awesome because I knew him. And I, from then it's like, I, I hire people that I know, or I've worked with because for me, you know, that's important. Um, especially to be able to put my trust in my business, um, to other coaches. So he was my first one. And then it went from there. Then he had too many. He's like, Beth, I can't take any more uh, clients. And I'm like, well, shit. Okay. Um, let's uh, look for another coach. And so, um, it just so happened that my friend Christy, who I did the HMCC course, which is Casey Joe's mindset course. Um, she kept asking me, you know, if I was looking for anybody and then it happened that I was. And so then I hired her, which is amazing. She's got, um, a new master's in nutrition. So she's like my head, uh, nutrition coach. And then from there, um, Hunter started getting more involved and he's, uh, you know, we decided to kind of go into the business together and he's like, yeah, I can help, you know, do the sales and things like that. He ended up hiring a GM for his gym so he can have more time to work with me. So then it just kind of sent for there and then Christy got overwhelmed. And so we, you know, started getting ahead of the game. We hired, um, a couple more coaches that I actually knew from the Jordan Science inner circle. So that worked out really well too. So, I mean, some of them are obviously like local ish to you, but some more are people you just know um, and online. So therefore you're not all in one physical place. No, actually Justin doesn't, even, uh, no one is near me anymore besides Hunter. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything else about that experience? Like, how hard it was initially, any of the, the the ideas about hiring someone you had to overcome. And, and here's a big one. You know, the worry and the fear of you hire someone on and they're going to leave. So how do you mm -hmm. make, this is the thing I think, you know, I'm asking for me as well as, as a lot of yeah. people, you know, there, there's the challenge of, okay, I've always had this attitude. Anyone that I would want to hire wouldn't need to work for me. Right. Does that make sense? And therefore, mm -hmm. you know, the threshold about, you know, what percentage you're keeping, what's the value to the person being under your umbrella? Are there any things about people, their personalities, for example, someone who really loves doing the work and coaching, but doesn't necessarily love the marketing, the brand, the media facing mm -hmm. side of stuff. Are there any things to look for in someone to work with both on the relationship side, but also like just how they are? Um for me, it was like very being very empathetic, personable, no bullshit, um, kind of the same values, um, as me, you know, that's what definitely what I looked for. And someone that I knew would be honest with me and, um, that would put their all in their coaching. Uh, and that just wanted to really help people. That was very important to me. Um, I have to say it, it was really fucking hard to hire people because, you know, it's a representation of yourself. I had, I, you know, don't get me wrong here. I went through and still go through a lot of like anxiety and stress about it. It's a lot better now. And I think what's important for me is to, is that I make sure that my coaches are taken care of because I used to be that, that coach, right. I want to make sure that they're getting all the support that they need, um, to actually be better coaches for our clients. So I, um, also have a therapist that talks with our coaches once a month. 
Um, we have like a little team meeting on the first of every month and they ask the therapist, any questions, you know, that might help them because, you know, it's hard um, sometimes to be a coach to a lot of people, uh, you know, there's burnout and things like that. And, you know, it can be mentally draining. You're taking on a lot, a lot of people, when you're helping someone through, you know, a lot of difficult times, um, and all you want to do is help. And sometimes you might have pushback or people are ghosting you. Um, you need that support. So I made sure that they, they have the support they need. They get bonuses, um, you know, things like that. How do you incentivize someone to want to work within your company? Um, obviously, you know, there's a quote cut of their work that goes to the company, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. how do you create value for a coach to want to work with you and stay? I think, um, first, you know, if you are running an online business and you're a coach and you feel like this is super overwhelming, which I have a few, um, coaches right now that actually have their, their online business, but they just did not want to do it alone. They, they want to just help people and not deal with all the other stuff that comes with it. So I think, um, if that's up your alley, <laughs> you know, taking all, like, you don't have to have deal with any, you know, onboarding, none of that stuff. If you were just handed a client and you're like, help this person, um, then you would be, you know, good for me. Uh, that's only one requirement. There's a lot of other ones, but, um, um, I think wanting just, if you want to help someone without all the, the business stuff, I think going this route is a great way great place to go. And also, you know, knowing that you're going to always grow. I want to make sure that my coaches know that there's always options for, you know, to make more money, things like that. Incentives, you know, they get bonuses um, for people, you know, extending their uh, mm. coaching time. They get bonuses if they refer someone. Um, they get literally paid for meetings. You know, there's they get paid for literally everything extra that they do. And the coaches that I have now do things because they want to do them because they know that they are, um, thanked and they are supported for everything that they do for me does not go unnoticed. So now it's, it's kind of like, they just do these things. And I know I, I feel very lucky that I have these coaches that do that, but I also treat them very well and I'd want to work for me too. <laughs> this line is up. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> this line is good. <laughs> I've, I've seen with a lot of the coaches that came through Stronger You and Macros Inc. And I kind of look at those as the, the a current example of what we're seeing. So before that, <clears throat> we had Precision Nutrition, Renaissance Periodization, you know, mm -hmm. I have these other companies that are fairly iconic. They've been around for a while. They sort of like created the model. And then there are other companies that have done a really good job of growing a fairly large brand and they have large teams of coaches, you know, smart visionary leaders. Uh, my friend, Mike Dola, who was a recent guest. Now, Mike did ultimately sell Stronger You, but I know a lot of the coaches that have worked currently or used to work under that umbrella. And so again, it's been my experience. A lot of those coaches are people who either haven't been, haven't loved the idea of leaning into their own social media brand presence, or uh, you have struggled with it perhaps. And it's just simply more fulfilling and easier to just take care of people and coach and help people because that's what yeah. just like uh, Most of my most of my coaches don't have um, a huge social media. And that was another thing. They didn't want to do social media anymore. I mean, it's not for everyone. I get that. It's it, it's pretty intense. And it's a consistent thing that you have to be on top of. So yeah, if you don't want to do social media that much either, I think assistant coaching is another way to go. You don't have to worry about all that shit, you know? 
And, and social media can at times get exhausting. I mean, I will mm-hmm. admit right now I have been in a period of time where I've been under-inspired in terms of, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, you go through these, life gives you seasons and you get tired of all the things you're trying to do. And of recent, I found it a little bit harder. I've also noticed it sort of gets discouraging when I think it's a double-edged sword where, you know, they make changes. Now, let's be honest, you can blame the algorithms all you want, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're creating the best stuff. And you also have an understanding about how these things work. There's a, a stronger pivot of video, then, you know, it's it's on you to actually stay on top of it. And I wrote a really big wave and I've noticed that, you know, there was a point where something changed. They announced a, a fairly major change and it has definitely affected my levels of engagement, which of course, you could take that one of two ways. I'm already busy and fulfilled with all these other things. So I've sort of taken mm-hmm. a step back, which of course then means I am not adapting yet. I've, I've, I'm working on it, but I haven't adapted to what the, the Instagram specifically now values. So mm-hmm. there has been a change to the algorithm that I, that we are aware of. We actually know that is now punishing is too strong a word, but it's not as good for the approach that I've used for a long time. So I have to adapt with the, with the algorithm, which I am fully aware of. So I'm in control of that. Now back to something else I want to ask too, is you're now, you're now a boss. You're now a business owner. You, you work with other people, you manage other people. Was there anything that you had to be aware of change about yourself, be conscientious of cautious with, because now it's no longer a one woman show but other people's livelihoods depend upon you, but also just in the way that you deal with them. Was there anything that you had to, any rough edges you had to soften? I had to let go of some control and have someone that was better at certain things to do certain things. I think that's um, something that a lot of people have a hard time doing too, is delegating. Um you know, certain things to certain people, What you know, I'm not good at sales. I'm not good at, um, numbers. Uh, you know, I'm good at creating content. I'm good at coaching. Um, but I'm not good at a lot. I'm, I'm horrible at tech. Um, so, you know, I, you know, let go of some of these things that I knew that would take me hours to figure out, which I would sit here and, you know, for hours be like, no, I can do it. No, but it would take me days. Right. And I'm like, okay, Hunter, can you do this for me? He's like, sure. Uh, and he would do it in five minutes. So I th- think you have to let go of some of the things that you know that um, you're not good at to have someone else do so everything else can run more smoothly. Um, and it took me a long time to figure that out. It took me a lot of hours of wasted fucking time um, for me to ask for help. Maybe that's a big thing right there. The big takeaway is getting <laughs> the idea of asking for help. Yeah. Add the author, Brad Stolberg, who is phenomenal, wrote a book called The Practice of Groundedness, and I recommend it to anybody. And he talks about a concept called heroic individualism and in a in a sort of a bad way, and how we can really get caught up in the idea of we can and have to do it all. And we mm-hmm. put this enormous pressure on ourselves and we try to carry the weight of everything on our backs. And so once I got talking to him a little bit, you know, me and Luca Hosovar we jam on books all the time. And so I, I just assumed Luke had read this book and he had something like, listen, dude, you need to read this book because Luca's media is, Luca's got people around him and he's great at fighting awesome people. But Luca has a an ability to, you know, forego sleep and, and just work and hustle nonstop. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Luca and I are kind of wired in a similar fashion. And again, I think you met Luca this weekend. Luca and I were there yeah. hanging out a lot. He was one of the speakers. And so I told him, listen, you got to read this book. So he's, he's read this book. He's like, holy shit. It's like some tough love in this book. And of course, we each brought Brad onto our podcast to talk to him about these things. And it can be tough to let go of that need to do all the things, right? And be great at all the things. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a wake up call, and you know we're always still a work in progress on these concepts. Oh yeah, for sure. Any other advice for anybody who is, you know, maybe at that point where they can't do it all, they're struggling. Maybe there's a little bit of burnout creeping in. They and they're th- they've been resisting the possibility of, you know, it's not even necessarily hiring someone else, but at least outsourcing some things. Like I hired someone to develop my my second website professionally. I hired someone to set up my email. My, my my email list services a while back and you know i've been talking to some people about you know developing some video systems as well which i eventually have to do more with so anything to overcome that initial resistance i think just asking someone for help right take that action like what we say as coaches action results motivation you know you you have to literally just act and like if you know that you're like okay i just can't do this anymore you have to what is the one thing that you really don't want to do anymore that's holding you back that one thing that that you know takes forever to do start with that one thing like we tell our our clients in nutrition you know one start with one thing and then you know master that one thing and move on so ask that one person who you know that may be able to help you with those things that take you too long to figure out and start there it's incredible how all the advice that we give to our clients, habit-based stuff, it perfectly parallels to business right? development in our careers. Almost always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beth, you're wonderful. I appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody where they can find more of Beth Farocco. You can find me on TikTok or Instagram as Beth Farocco Fitness. And also on my website is BethFarocoFitness.com. And I also have a podcast called Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, which is on Spotify and iTunes, anywhere you can watch a podcast or listen to a podcast. And I guess you'll also be speaking at the Real Coaches oh. Summit. Now that's, that's what? That's January of 2024. So Aram has moved it ahead to January, has he? Mm-hmm. Okay. He had it yeah. at the... Beginning. I think it was March this year, right? Yeah, March. Yeah, he yeah. may be moving it out of the way of uh, raise the bar because Nicola Am. Uh, oh, okay. I'm hoping to get to that. I need to get to that. That's been on my bucket list, by the way, for a long time. So raise the bar is wonderful. I'm speaking at it again next year. And Yay! The plan is for February. So Aram with the Real Coaches Summit, he had an incredible list. Eve Guzman, I think, were you just on Eve's podcast? Or was I was on her podcast yesterday. Right, I saw that on, on your media. Eve is a recent guest. Guys, if you love if you love Beth here, uh, mm-hmm. you got to with Eve. If you are someone who has found this podcast <clears throat> through Beth's media, I would also say just go back to the recent episode with Eve Guzman, uh, and you can check out the other people I've had on. If you're really interested in the development of the business side of stuff, I had Mike Dola and Nick Shaw on recently. So Mike again being the architect of Stronger You, Nick Shaw, you know, one half of Renaissance Periodization, and both very good friends of mine. Love talking to those guys. And there's a lot of stuff, you know, along the same sort of theme. Uh, anyway, please, if you are a longtime listener, go check out what Beth is doing. Beth is going to be, you know, speaking at events more and more, which I think is is only a natural course of action. I'm excited to see how your business grows. And 
anybody else, again, listening, you know, do the kind thing, do the share, do the subscribe, give it to someone who in your world you think this might be beneficial to. And again, if you're one of the best people, well, just take a scroll through who I've had on. You may find that you like a lot of my guests, mm -hmm. a lot of the who's who of the industry, and you might stick around, but it's got to be earned every step of the way. Um, thanks again, everyone. Beth, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, thank you. We'll come back with another new episode next week with a great guest.